Hey, this is your Uncle Brent, and Ronell and I are coming at you. You are listening to the Sound Pollution Podcast. This is another re-release during our little break. Uh, I am re-releasing the Rowdy Shade House episode 18. What, uh, what, what? We are purposely re-releasing this specific episode because it is a funkable, funkable, that's not right. <laughs> it is fuck. <laughs> you need to leave that in there. Uh, no way. It's a funkable. No, fuck it. Funky, danceable, dirty grooves by the very cool Rowdy Shade House. We have tried to get them on the show again. They need to contact me so we can do so. We think it's some good music, a fun interview while you're getting ready for your New Year's Eve. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. We all made it. Please remember to like, subscribe, and download. And remember, make some noise. First thing I want to ask is I've seen some of your your live stuff. Actually, I've seen a lot of your live stuff because I really liked it. And I want to go. I want to go very badly. That looks like so much fun. But there's a lot of people on stage. How many people are actually in the group? Uh, We usually have anywhere from uh, we've done at four, uh, like the four horsemen setup is what we like to call it. Um, And uh, we've gone up to almost 20 people on stage. So including horn sections, we've yeah. percussionists, we've had backup singers, like we've done, like that's that's what I think is like the great thing about the Rowdy Shade House is it's like a band that can do it all. It could go like four man setup, like Rock Your World, or go the full James Brown setup, you know, and just it all night. It looked like there was a lot of people on stage, especially with the horns. I really like the horns a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's so good. It is ridiculous. And it looks like so much fun now the ones that i saw that had like a lot of people that was a funk fest what was that well see you're probably referring to the one that you saw online at bluebird yeah. it was like a concert, concert. yeah it was the bluebird. yeah we'd sold that one out so there's probably like uh at least like 600 people in the audience and so we were just like it just there's a lot of energy and uh uh yeah it, it is a, just a ton of fun um when everybody starts dancing probably about two-thirds way through the show uh there gets to be this mist over the crowd. You see it every time we play, but there's just like this really thick mist. And uh, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's probably one of the greatest things that, I mean, uh, it gets kind of gross because uh, I, at the Fox theater, we actually made it rain inside, which was actually kind of weird because it wasn't raining. Right. It was sweat. Yeah. It was like stripping from the ceiling onto us. I mean, that's so cool. Oh, it was fucking rock. Dragon rights. It was rock and roll, yeah. It was fun, <laughs> but yeah, I just like it. Like I, I just love that whole that whole energy, that whole dirty nastiness of it. And um, that's probably one of the biggest things that we've missed about the whole uh, uh, the whole COVID thing that's happening. Yeah. Is uh, other bands can go out there because they're just up there doing their thing, but we are the band that encourages that dropping of all your your inhibitions you know what i mean and let's go for it and it touch the person next to you and like you know appropriately and with uh consent of course but <laughs> just you know get uh just get lose yourself in the moment like that band and uh it's kind of um unfortunate that right now like uh we're unable to like toe that line uh because of the fact and, and people have asked us it's it's crazy all through um the pandemic people have been offering us money to play and stuff and we're like no you know it's like it's really and we don't want to be caught on the 
I couldn't post everything I post on my Facebook and then go out and like play some gigs and stuff. You know what I mean? I right. They'd be that, like, wait a minute. Exactly. I understand that the the uh, the entertainment scene is really suffering everywhere, everywhere, mm-hmm. all over the country it is. Um, and I'm pretty sure all over the world, you know, but it's yeah. just like, uh, I don't know. We just got to, we got to write it out. We've got to write it out because you know what? People are the reason why we do this. And if we take away our audience, <laughs> you know, what yeah, I mean? what's that? You can't. What's that? We're, like, we're going to kill our audience. Like, that's right. <laughs> like, what's that? I can't that's a comedy sketch. Um, but yeah, no, it's just like, we do this for people. So, I mean, if we didn't have that in mind, if we weren't true humanitarians, which we are, um, we, we would have not been able to play, you know, like we, we, mm. we would have already gone out. So we're, we just can't do it because of our message, you know? Right. But what I found interesting, and I don't know if you guys are feeling that in like the Denver music scene is it's kind of brought musicians where I'm at together in a different way. A lot of people are writing together without being together and they're kind of like reaching out for each other for inspiration. Are you seeing a lot of that there or some of that at least? I, I unfortunately see a lot of division. I don't know. I see yeah, a lot of division. Little, really? I see reaching out to musicians that most of them are ready to come out of the COVID and start handling the musicianship. Maybe that's what I've noticed lately. They're all kind of coming out and just urging to get something done, you know. Mm-hmm. That. And, uh, you know, doing all the, people are talking about live streaming. Because yeah. uh, right now people are, the bar gigs, the gigs that people are getting around here are just not what they used to be. The turnout for it is not as much, you know. Getting paid for it isn't as much anymore. And what I've noticed is people are trying to get more projects going, to your point, just to spread out and see if they can pull some money in, I think. It, w- it would be nice, you know, like uh, me and uh, me and my buddy Octavius, we actually purchased, uh, because like we're really involved in the uh, entertainment scene, not just the music scene. Right. But we've set up uh, uh, in- entertainment events for the city of Denver, like Denver Mardi Gras, a bunch of different things. We we bought a channel on Twitch so that people could go on there, uh, you know, any bands or whatever, uh, do their thing and get paid for it without us collecting any money or anything like that. It would go straight into their PayPal accounts. It was something that was very inexpensive for us to do. That's cool. Like, yeah, it was like 140 bucks or something like that for the year, which is like ridiculously cheap. So and uh, we know that we've been cycling a lot of burlesque through that because we see who who's on there and who's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly the burlesque acts have been uh, using it and utilizing it. Uh, I wish there was some sort of coalition of artists that we could all just like lean on each other and like continue making stuff. But right now, everybody's, I think, a little afraid to try to do anything. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. They're afraid of. They're afraid of. uh a lot, a lot of things because there's a huge amount of uncertainty right now. Right. So it's just like it's crazy that we're all all staying away from each other, but it's all kind of agreed on. Like it's all kind of. But then there's some that are like, no, let's get out there, and they're trying to play the streets and stuff. Like there's bands that take to the streets and play live, and I don't really agree with that. Um, right. The whole COVID thing. I don't know. Like I said, there's just a lot of division. A lot of people want want something, but they don't know who to blame or how to really get it. You know what I mean? Right. Like they're just like ah ah and everybody. A lot of frustration. Ah, you know? yeah. yeah. So there's just a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety because yeah. no one knows what's going to happen. No, and nobody knows what to do. Have you been practicing a lot though? Have you come up with new material while you're stuck at home? Oh, oh. silver lining is you know you get in, you get fit, you uh, heal up, you um, you really test the resolve. I think uh, right now uh, the bands that are going to emerge from all this are either going to be brand new 
mm-hmm. or they're going to be the bands that are really in it. You know what I mean? And that's like the good thing because, you know, I, I just, I just hate to say it, but you know, too many chefs in a kitchen, you know, soup's going to turn out gross, you know, so you got to have right. some, some level, some bar if everybody's just rushing the scene. So uh, hopefully this kind of like lets people realize, do I really want to be a musician or is this something that I, I just kind of like fleeting or is it just like, is it a selfish thing? Like, cause there's people out there, people better than us that are really trying to put something out. And I would love to have those bands heard, you know what I mean? Yeah. Have those stories heard, you know, so. Yeah. Here in Denver, just to add on that, there's a lot, there were a lot of really big bands here in Denver a year ago. And I know a couple that have just absolutely disintegrated. They've just yeah. all disbanded. And it's like, I know one in particular, he doesn't know how to get the, a band together because he has to find all the musicians. But the mm-hmm. material is about a year's worth of practice. You know, some of their set lists are pretty complicated. And then, you feel bad for I think it's teaching a lot of young musicians to how hard it can really be from the get go. Mm-hmm. Like you said, kind of testing the resolve. Like if you can't get through this, you know, what happens when that album flops and you got to try again? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, they all can't be zingers. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. Like not every yeah. fucking show is going to be a sellout. You're going to have to play those restaurant shows for, <laughs> for a while, you know? Yeah, I go to the bar and there's like three people there and you're like, well, you do what you can do. Oh, yeah, we love we loved shows like that. Back in the day, we would show up and we would see like two or three people at the bar. We'd be like, these people are about to get the fucking show of their lives. <laughs> and we would just fucking freak out. And they would. They would just be like, oh, my God. <laughs> we would just like have such a great time with these people because we'd be like, yeah, like you guys, like you and you. Like, I don't know. It's just you got to love it, you know. And if. uh you do what you love. You never work a day in your life. So how long have you all been together? What started the Rowdy Shade House? Um, well, I was on, uh, I was beatboxing on tour with this like rap group. And uh, so we had toured all around like the mountains and stuff. And we ended up at this rundown fucking sex club called the Emno off of Colorado Boulevard is like South Colorado. And we were signing with this, like we were signing up to do, I guess, a couple gigs around uh, Colorado with this, uh, the bar owner, who this lady who knew some people apparently. So the guy that brought us around was doing this, and, and these guys were playing there. These guys, and they weren't the Rowdy Shade House. They had Eldon Jones. They had, they had, yeah, remember Eldon? Uh, and then Chris Marquez and him, and they were just up there, and they were doing the worst version. A fucking sandcastle magic I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Eldon Jones playing the drums and singing, and, in, and he wasn't singing the lyrics. It was him just going, "My dragonfly, my dragonfly," like and he just kept doing that, "My dragonfly," and then they'd all get together and go, "Sandcastle magic." <laughs> I, I was like, "What?" Like you know, and I was like, and so they went on break, and um. I don't know what it, I, I had a couple shots of tequila. I don't know. I went up to him and was like, dude, you guys should let me, you guys should let me hit the stage with you for a couple notes. And him and Chris were like, fuck it. This, this place sucks. Like, let's do it. Like, let's what's going to hurt. And Ellen was like, no, 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 no. And they, they finally convinced Ellen to let me on stage. I just fucking went off. I just went off. And, um, I remember uh, looking at all of them and going, guys, literally, that was fucking awesome. Because by the end of it, we had everybody up and dancing and into it. And uh, and it was totally off the cuff. 
Like it was totally like all of our songs were just right off the cuff, and we we came out with multiple different songs. We played for like an hour, yeah. and then uh, by the end of it, I just looked at him, and literally we we're outside. I was smoking weed with Chris, and he was having a cigarette. And I was like, guys, what are you doing with the rest of your lives? Like, yeah, I know it sounds, <laughs> but I was like, that was fucking awesome. Like at the time, I was just beatboxing, you know, right? And I knew that wasn't gonna go anywhere because that's like a more of a parlor trick, you know what I mean? Like I can beatbox really well. I can sing a beatbox at the same time, like Razel, you know, do that. But it's like, what is that? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I want to be a rock star. You know what I mean? Like that's awesome. And so, uh, uh, yeah. And then we got in, and even before we hit the stage, what did we practice for like three or four months straight? Mm-hmm. Like before we would hit the stage, it was just like all night practices, all night. I would get off work at like fucking six o'clock, and I'd be over at the band house. Uh, to like one or two and then I'd get up and go back to work and then we'd come and we did that for like three months and then finally we hit the stage at Bushwhackers mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, <laughs> we started at the absolute bottom it was just at the absolute bottom rundown bars they'd be like maybe it's our fair share of shows where there's like seven people in the audience you know maybe it was tough at the beginning it really was or the bars that have no stage and you have to like you have to set yep. up you know, on the floor, and everything's getting kicked around, and come on, I'm performing here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah we, we had our, up, we had definitely went the downs for a while. Yeah, yeah, the downs, yeah, yeah the, the downs. downs. <laughs> yeah. But we had fun, and that's yeah. the whole thing is we were, we were making money because we were gigging like fucking like four or five days a week. Oh yeah, we were and, doing, we doing four-hour sets. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was so lean. You could have fucking put me on a skillet for like two minutes. I would have been straight done. Like I was so lean. Like I was. Oh man, I was nice. You yeah. Know, right now I'm all bulky and bad bod. I think we all are right now. It's okay. But yeah, man. Uh, and then yeah, we would just we were so we were making some money, you know. And uh, yeah, that was what like 12 years ago now. Mm-hmm. 15, almost 15, no 14. I'm not gonna say wow. 15 because I'm like 36 and that means. I'm, it was a long time ago. It was like 10 years ago, yeah. 26, about. So, yeah, and then, you know, we've just been kind of challenging, challenging. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't until after my uh, 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 wife left me that we started just freaking out, though. Yeah, well. Before that, we were pretty, like, rock, blues, like, da 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 And then after she left me, because uh, of me, because <laughs> of me. At least you own it. Hey. Oh. Trust, trust. It was a me that I didn't even know was me. Because as soon as she left and we hit Rowdy Shade House full bore, I mean, you've seen the videos. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm throwing a fucking, like, uh, uh, our mascot, our band mascot, which is Dick Rambone, which is this huge eight-inch, like, dildo that has a fucking suction cup. And, you know, it's it got real. It got very real. And we were just having a great time doing it. Like, uh, sure, we, we met up with a lot of... A lot of pushback, especially from the country places. But yeah, but most often everybody loved it, loved the stage show. You know? So that just sort of happened, like you just let loose and it just sort of happened. Well, it was, I was pushing that, like I was pushed that, and then uh, my ex was there, no, and then the first guitarist was like very no, and uh, I mean Chase and the drummer Max were just like. Fuck yeah, like let him freak out. Let him freak like out. rock and roll, go to town. Like I can see something's going to happen here, especially me. He's like, I see he's going to freak out, like, and you should just let him do it. And like, uh, and <laughs> there was a lot of that. There was a lot of uh, other things we would play. It's like, just, they'd be like, I don't know about this John guy, man. It's not working out. I was just like, look, 
Let him do his thing. Like, out of nowhere, I'd, I'd be on stage, we'd be playing, like, a blues song, and I'd walk up to the fucking guitar, and I'd just start jerking it off. Like, <laughs> yeah, and then I'd lick the tip, and Chris would be like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I would just, like, and so, and there would be little flashes of that, like, that kind of shit on stage, and people would be like, whoa, what, what just happened? Did you see that? You see what he just did? So, yeah. Chase, you're, like, the whole time, like, any minute now. It's just going to happen, and it's going to yeah. be amazing. There's, I played, I played in a lot of bands, you know, across the spectrum. You name the type of the gig. It's just that, um, I, I was, I know that the real key to success when it comes to like, you know, like punk rock or rock and roll, this is is like the front man. And yeah, you know, sometimes you meet, you meet a guy that, you know, John, when we first met up, he didn't really have any experience at it, but he just had the motivation. We actually, here's a good story about John that that I know about. Uh, Chris, the guitarist he's talking about, you don't know how many times I, I had to go through this. It, it was just hilarious. And the, the turnout is always the same. I, Chris goes, I don't know, man. We should find a new guy. You know, I don't think John's working out. And I go, oh, he's not working out. He goes, yeah. I was like, well, let's go tell John that. Right? I go, <laughs> I said, let's go tell John that. I just want you to watch his reaction. And he goes, okay. So we walk up to uh, John, and this is kind of, it was kind of cruel to do, but it, yeah, I had to I had to show Chris something, and uh, we go to John. If we go, we meet him in the driveway, and I go, uh, John, uh, I'm sorry, but we're moving in a different direction. We're gonna have to let you go. And John goes, What? He goes, My life. He goes, I can't believe you're doing this to me. Not the band. He goes, Please, not the band. No, I need this. And then I go, I turn to Chris and I go. That's what you need in the band. That's what you need. You know, I was like, yeah, I, don't, I don't think he's going anywhere, Chris. Let's, let's talk about your motivations for a second. I was like, let's. And yeah, Chris, he, his motivations were just so off, so off key. I was like, there's just you can't compare to that. And you know, a good frontman to a band is uh, is like life or death. And yeah. you know it when you see it. As soon as you get it, it just lights up. And I saw that happen so many times with John. He gets on the stage and everybody lights up. All of a sudden, he's going, what's going on? What's happening? And it's like before you show up to the gig, people are already wondering what's going to happen. It was undeniable after a while. It was just, yeah, you know, it was cool. Yeah, he really took control of that. Where did you guys come up with your sound? I mean, it sounds like it just sort of happened. But, like, did you have an idea? You were like, okay, we're going to do, like, funk? Or did it just sort of steamroll into, like, this huge sound i think uh, our sound was built from the fact that we all liked like still and still continue to like different music like i i'm like really into like things like a uh, deep deep cut funk like really uh um industrial fucking nine inch nails like i'm super into that whole like that whole situation wu-tang like i'm like really into like fucking rap music and like i'm like a huge like but gangster rap not none of that fucking stop shit so then let's talk about um the songs that he sent me tell me about phd Uh, (laughs) i know that's a loaded question which is why i asked it so phd (laughs) no um phd so the song's entitled uh, Perry's Hippie Dick. And so that's like what it's, it's like original name was we were joking around with, but we call it PhD as in like, this is our, uh, so that's like the band. That's what we call it as Perry's Hippie Dick. But PhD, in, it means that it's our doctorate into 
Denver funk. So okay. that song encompasses what we think Denver funk is. And uh, we go through different colors, I believe, and shades. And uh, yeah, we, we break it up and we get it together. And uh, we just really, we really think that that's Denver funk because we think our sound is just like if people people ask us, we say it's a uh, BBW sex funk or uh, um, Denver funk. Uh, sometimes I have to equate it to like James Brown because uh, for a while there, when I said it was funk band, you know, people mm-hmm. were like, oh, like fish or like you know, like string cheese or anything like that. I'm like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Funk was rather abstract for a while. It's kind of like we want to put a def- definitive on what it is. Right. You know, with me on that song PhD, what I really what I appreciate about it is um, in its format, it, it, when it first starts, you know, that first like verse, very upbeat, it's very upbeat. Yes. And then it's it's when that that the second part comes up, it uh it like makes it even more upbeat. It breaks down the rhythm and then it, it picks the rhythm back up. And then it's funny when it gets to the third part, the original, the original riff that we played, even though it's the original riff, it seems to pick it up again. So through that song, it just seems like continual pickup. And we're, you know, it's very simple, but it's just funny that we use the first riff and that picks it up. And then the second part plays out and that picks it up. And then the third part, which is essentially the first part, but even then, then you listen to the, the same part again, and it seems to pick up the energy again. It just continually picks up the energy through the song, and then it comes with the sharp cut at the end, which is sort of kind of cool. Yeah. Did you, get, did you get that? It goes up and then down and then up and down and then mm-hmm. up and down. And then it goes like this and way. Up, and then inside. This way. <laughs>
sometimes it's a four piece. Sometimes it's like 20 people. Uh, what are, who are the main people in the group besides you guys? Just like me and Chase and, uh, that's pretty much. That's pretty much. <laughs> you guys. I always, I always said that uh, as long as my heart's beating, the Rowdy Shade House is yeah. still around. Okay. Yeah. So. As long as I'm alive, I'm gonna make sure that it goes. Um, the the thing about with the Rowdy Shade House is it's kind of a cool thing, is that there have been uh, so many reiterations of band makeup and people that come in and give their kind of you know, uh, take on it. We make uh, recordings of all the rehearsals and everything, so we do get the, the opportunity to pick the best parts for different musicians, but because of the nature of Reynolds, the, the really cool thing about it is, in Denver, there are, there are a lot of people that knows that know our set list, so we, we get around easily, like, if somebody can't make it, we already know a couple people that already know the basic materials, that they can sign on really quick, so we're able to execute on any type of opportunity relatively quickly. No matter what stage we're in, we can always get a band together because the parts are laid out in so many different varieties at this point. And let's let's talk about your bass playing for a second because it is you are a very good bass player. <laughs> oh my god, like like <laughs> I was like, oh my in every song I listen to, there is a driving bass line. And he says you were classically trained. How long had you been playing bass? Uh, well, my, my story is it's kind of weird. I was in a college, and uh, I didn't even know what the instrument was, really. But I, I was good at studying. And uh, there was this rock and roll band that was doing really well in the college town. And uh, I was friends with the drummer. We were really good friends for a long time. And uh, he goes, Chase. We need a bass player. I was like, why? And he was like, bass player. I was never done that. He goes, it's really easy. It's really easy. Just, okay. Just do, just do this. And I was like, okay. And he was like, Led Zeppelin, a little ZZ Top, you know, just driving bass lines. I, I did, I, you know, in a month. And actually, longer than that, I think it was like two or three months, I, I gave the semblance of the bass player, a semblance. And, uh, and they got on stage and pulled the gig. And then all of a sudden, he goes, he goes, he was, his name was TJ. He gives me $300. I was like, I was like, what? And he goes, yeah. And I was like, what is this? And he goes, no, it's $300. It's the gig. And I was hooked. That was You're like, oh, that's it? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. I was like, are you kidding me? I'm hooked. I was like, that's awesome. Was, and then not only that, it was like we partied up until the show. I was so nervous. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I've never really been in front of a large audience. But I just been acting before. But getting in front of the audience and seeing the way the reaction it was, everything was just golden. Everybody just loved it. I was screwing up, but nobody noticed. It was very cool. When John says that I'm classically trained, I think what he's like he's pointing out to is I was in the Army Jazz Band for a little while. Okay. Yeah, and I recommend that for any musician that thinks they want to make a cut. That the Army Jazz Band, if you can get past that that audition. The other the other jam he sent, Slick Skin. Yeah. I like the lyrics of that one. And and the live the live track you sent me when I say everybody was on point. Oh my God. I don't even know how you guys came up with that. It's so good. It really is. You guys are really good. Your bass is always, it's fantastic. Your drummer is hitting that one pretty heavy. Is that the same drummer you guys have right now? or uh, they, uh, Like you said, they kind of come and go. Periodic. Like, I would say periodic formed the sound of our style. I think uh, when he joined the band, when Perry joined the band, we fully realized like our style and potential as a band. He is just just one of the best musicians overall people I've ever met in my life. 
Yeah, it's good. I, I could hear that he was hit really hard. He, he took everything in his life out on stage and it was like beautiful because like he was such like there he was such an angry person for such a long time and it was so beautiful to see him like look you look back and he just be <clears throat> like in it out like fuck yeah like i don't know <laughs> next level and you get mad at you you get mad at you if you didn't let him do it
advice you could give somebody who is trying to do music, which is weird to say, because as I say it, I'm like, you don't try to do music. You kind of do it or you want to or you don't. But what you know what I mean? Like. to write down that song too as like a point like every time i hear that song i'm just like holy fucking shit and we're not even yeah. there you're not even there we're not even there avoid all of that you, like you, you, with you look back yeah. you look back and you go, oh my god sometimes twice yeah. those things can't get off the list because it's gonna happen again yeah, it you know just happens like, over and over happening. it's like it's like if you like it's like that lyric if you like one night stands then try to make it in a rock and roll band. Just try to make it if you like that. But it, when it comes down to something like, you know, starting out music, uh, I would point to my friend John here and say, you got to have the heart for it. If you, yeah. if you don't have the heart for it, you're just not going to make it. So, Chase, what's your favorite thing about doing music? I like to say the girls. Okay, that's fair. That's that's like that's like eight out of ten what guys say to me when I ask that question. It's hilarious. I, I, what I like to say because I, I live like kind of an ordinary life, you know. Like, oh, right, right. Stuff like that. You know, you you can date like a, you you start dating, you know, and like oh my god, you know they're, they're into your thing, you know, they they like everything about you, and then you know you just drop the bomb on them, you just go oh yeah, by the way, so this is my rock and roll show. <laughs> What? It's like, yeah, I, I played a rock and roll band. We're actually pretty good. Sorry I haven't told you or anything, but that's what we're doing tonight. And then you, you get them to show up, and it's the, the expression they get on. And then it always, you know, they, you know, they, they get connected because we also have, you know, the band itself draws. We have, we've got a bunch of girls that come on to it. So hey, guys, guys. But, uh, we have, you know, but there's a bunch of girls that come on and, they, you know, that comment, oh, my God, I never thought. Or, oh, my God, you guys are really good, you know. And then they all start hanging out. It's kind of a magical thing. But the, the girls are definitely a motivation for me. What about you, John? I like, uh, I like, like I said, I like being able to uh, be myself. Mm-hmm. I think uh, um, I've always looked to be a part of a team or a part of something, you know, bigger than myself. You know, whatever I have to lend to that aid, as long as it's like helping people and stuff like that, makes me feel real good. So that's like my favorite favorite part about it. You know? Okay. It's a, it's less cool. <laughs> it's less cool than just the chicks, but I'd like to think that I don't know. I, I I like to hope one day you know people listen to my music and it gets them through tough times or shit, man. You just have to keep sleeping out, you know. That's good. Yeah. Another thing, another thing that you can get really into with um, you know, when you play like the bigger audiences, you know, when you have a bunch of people that have bought tickets to your show, you know, and they pay a hefty price, it's kind of a cool thing to know. But the, the cool thing is, like, you know, I'd honestly communicate this to any musician that's doing it, is when, you, when you're with, like, a, a band, it doesn't matter, it, it matters that you love, you like the people in the band, you love them, and um, what you get to experience when you're on stage, especially after all the rehearsals and stuff like that, is what I was talking about before, it's like, it's like a psychic, there is like a psychic element to reality, I'd like to say, yeah. you know, because um, when John's on the stage, and I know where he's going with the song, I know what he's going to cut it, I know... I know the enunciations is going to do. It's like telepathy, and it's a conversation. Like you, you, when you open yourself to it, you hear each individual, you know, 
each individual instrument. It's like you can tell, you know, it's like, oh, do you know, you know, you can tell the guitarist is having a bad day. He's like, he's having a bad conversation. Mm-hmm. You can tell he's in his head. You can tell like what they're thinking about. And then you can tell when they're in it. You know, you can say, all right, now they're in it. John, John exemplifies it. He, he'll actually turn back and be like, well, you know, get in it. Like it comes across. It's very psychic because you yeah. feel the energy to it. And there's a flow to it. And the cool thing when you, when you build up with the audience, you get the response from the audience. So isn't that psychic? I mean, like everybody's, everybody's basically saying, thinking the same yeah. thing and we're like transmitting it. You know, it's like you're transmitting this like thing that everybody's responding to and everybody's like in it. And not only that, it kind of makes them move, you know, and like this yeah. thought that's coming from our telepathic conversation is having a psychic element that's communicating with a large audience that's bigger than any one single individual. So it's, it's a cool aspect to it. You can get really into it. It's like its own language, really is. And then I would say the outfits. I like, I like the outfits. I like getting all glittered out. I like going and just getting in the tightest thing I can find. And like, you know, yeah. I think I think I think 2021 is going to be the year of the cod piece. And I might get like some like real real sparkled out cod pieces. You know? Yeah. That could work. Bring it, bring it back. You know, yeah. just bring it back. Last question. What is your craziest show that you can think of? The one that you, well, not the craziest, but the one that you like the most that, that you will never forget. I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should talk about this, but um, George Clinton was playing at the, the, the Telluride Blues, Blues show. And they, and we knew a couple of the guys, they invited us to open up for him. That's what we were told to open right. up for George Clinton. <laughs> we were like, oh my God. Absolutely. So amazing. <laughs> So uh, we drive up there, we get ready for the show, and uh, so this is what happened. We uh, we uh, go down to, I forget how this exactly played out, but we showed up there and we're just overwhelmed, you know, you're overwhelmed by this production. We got to, uh, you know, warm up the instruments, warm up their site, you know, play a tune of ours. We played a tune of ours with all their gear. It was very cool. And mm-hmm. everybody's hanging out, everyone's going, you know, you're awesome. We were young, we are you're hot. And... Um, this guy goes, you guys want to meet George Clinton? And we were like, yeah, yeah. We were like, yeah. And uh, from what I remember, I think I got this wrong, but this is how it transmitted in my mind, yeah. was uh, they go, we go to this trailer, they invite us in, and uh, George Clinton is sitting there, like, eating finger foods. Yeah, check this out. So this is what happens, right? So, <laughs> so what happened back. was. <laughs> so what happened was, right? So we walk in back, and George Clinton, and to this day, I'm still friends with them on Facebook and his wife, and they're amazing people, and I love them and stuff. And, uh, but uh, um, so anyway, uh, so I walk back, and he has the dreads. This is before he lost the dreads and stuff. This is like how old we were, right? And uh, and so he's like sitting, and there's three piles of salad. And when I say salad, I mean chicken salad, egg salad, and what I was later, what I was later told was ham salad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. think about, yeah, and it's because it was like pink. You know, it was like a pink salad thing, right? And there were cheeses and crackers and little grapes and things like that, you know, like a charcuterie of like things. But there was like piles of salad. Well, George Clinton was reaching into these piles and he was eating like handfuls of salad. <laughs> And this is what we walked into. We were just like, and then, the and then this guy, this guy, Sir Knows, right? You know, Sir Knows, I don't know if you're familiar with Parliament Funkadelic, but there's this guy that goes, yeah. that goes uh, you can't dance. And they're like, Sir Knows, get out of the way. You know, like, they're like, get out Sir Knows, you know, like, mom, 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 you know, and, and Sir Knows is like, hi. And his whole thing is, I'm, you know, 
I'm trying to make people not dance, you know? And so uh, they hit him with the bop gun and he starts dancing, right? Well, Sir Nose is a real person, but he's he loves to jam, but he's more of a hype man than anything, right? So he's in back and he's the one that led us back. The and, uh, he's a so, contortionist. Yeah, and he's a contortionist, he's right? The man, the man just turned 50. He just turned 50 and he was jacked. Ripped. Ripped. Like he was fucking uh, ripped. Like he was like, holy shit. Like he told us. He had, he tell, he, I was like, damn, man, how old are you? Because I, I, I don't know, I, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I always ask people their age. And uh, so he was just like, he was like, I'm 50 years old. And I was like, God damn, dude. He was like in the best shape I've ever seen anybody. Anyway, like up close. But uh, um, so he led us back, and that's when George Clinton was literally eating these salads, right? He was like eating these salads. And like I said, chicken salad, you know, tuna salad, and like ham salad. Okay. <laughs> Right. And so Sir knows I'm standing next to Sir knows and I'm sure we had faces. I'm sure I'm sure we were all just like because like, you know, we were all just like slack jar because the next yeah. thing I felt because I he, I was walking in first because I was like, you know, like the front of my hand, you know, oh. good. And so I felt this fell and go like this. And I was like. Because he was tall, so I was looking up, and I'm not very big either, you know what I mean? But I was looking up, and he goes, hey, man, G wants to know if he could use your glasses. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh. I was like, oh, my, my sunglasses? And I had these 1974 icy vintage sunglasses, and I loved them, and I prized them because of the fact that they were sea sun, uh, like ski sunglasses that were yeah. made to stay to your face. And I freaked out on stage, you know, and so they would stay on your face no matter what. And I, man, I put those things through the ringer and they stayed right on my face, you know? And so he goes, yeah, George wants those. And I was like, uh, yeah, you know, George Clinton, you know, go ahead. And so he grabs them, George Clinton does, with his salad hands. <laughs> he has salad fingers and he fucking grabs them out of my hand and, and it's getting salad all over my, my sunglasses. I'm like, God, shit. You know, but it's George Clinton, you know, we're young. So he's just kind of like, oh, well, okay, George. Okay, yeah, George. But I'm boiling. I'm feeling it. Feeling it inside, you know, you start to, you know, my high skis. Ooh, you're famous. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and so he puts them on. He puts them on, and this chick who hasn't looked up for the fucking the entire time, I later found out was his wife, and an amazing lady, honestly, uh, Carla. Um, she uh she looked up and she goes, Oh my god, you look great. And he's going like this, and he's like looking, and salad is still on his hands. He just sits there and all of a sudden he starts going like this. He's, he starts going like that. He goes, mm. and then all of a sudden I see Sir Nose pull down his hat because he was wearing a top, like a hat like with a brim. He like pulled it down. And they all started like jamming it. We're sitting there like, what the fuck is going on? This is cool. We're all looking at each other like you know like trying to give looks but seem cool because we're like seeing like hey what's up you know like but uh, yeah and and George Clinton all of a sudden just and I have no idea how he heard what was going on stage but the next thing i knew we were walking out and when he was clapping he was right on beat to the and i'm like this guy's a fucking legend he fucking feels it like that from the stage like he probably just felt you know and he'd been doing it so long he probably just felt the vibrations in the floor or something. And it was just like, oh, that's not good. That's my cue. You know what I mean? And then he just fucking started fucking marching the stage. So we're all cruising out in the line like some big shits. You know what I mean? Like, and we're like, we're thinking to ourselves, we're going to hit the stage with Parliament Funkadelic. 
this is our moment. Right. This is us right here. He's wearing my sunglasses. There's no way we're in. I did mm-hmm. this. We're in. You know, mm-hmm. rolling up the stage. Everybody's high. Pop gun. Protect yourself. You know, yeah. Point people backstage. Yeah, that's us. We're going cruising. You know, and out of nowhere, I get this, like this fucking huge fucking dude fucking just throws a fucking arm up right in front of me. I'm like, what? I'm like, whoa, man. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right, right. And he goes, he goes, you can't go out there because that's band only. And I was like, oh, we're, we're in the band. We were in the, we, we played before. I was like, you didn't see us play? We were rocking, man, you know? And he was like, no, man, because that's band only. And I was like, but George Curtin's got my sunglasses. And literally, as I said that, and we both looked up and I was pointing, George Clinton took off my sunglasses and just threw them in the crowd. <laughs> and, I, and this guy looked at me and he goes, what sunglasses? <laughs> Shit. Right. And so we fucking made our way past all the people we were saying hi to, past all the people we were big shits in front of. Right. Everybody was like, everybody, we were like, yeah, right. Wish you could be us. We were like tail tucking, like all the way back to like the green room area where we were getting fucking at, hit up for like hits of weed. Like it was fucking because these people came from all over the country to try to play with George Clinton. Like literally 50 guitar players showed up to play and like, he only wanted to play with like three or four, right? And so, yeah. Like they're all just like back there, but you know we play with George Clinton back in the day, and fucking they all names like Cool Cat Keith and just like, <laughs> like, it, was like it was like weird, right? Like and so we're all back there, right? And uh, uh, the only thing that really saved it for me was one, we got to play with all our instruments and open, and that was a great experience. This story, another, but the third thing that I took away from this entire thing is I saw that big ass fucking dude eating a chicken salad sandwich and i fucking couldn't help but think george george clinton's hands as funky as they were were all up in that salad you know what I mean? <laughs> like eating a fucking sandwich watching the show all happy i was just like oh watch so that that happened okay that happened but the craziest show in my mind is so we uh booked the gig that night after George Clinton's show mm-hmm. at this like bar, like that was right there. And, oh my God, we they all they all showed up after the after George Clinton's show. They just went to the, it was like one of the popular bars. They all show up to our show, and that was also another night where the the sweat was just raining. I remember playing the bass, and my hand was I was soaking wet, and it, it went on for a long time. And that was that was the craziest show because there were so many people, and it was after everybody was like you know doing whatever chemicals they were doing but they all showed up to the show and we we rocked house we went straight through and it yeah. was like it was like three hours we went into the wee hours it was very just cool just kept playing and uh we heard of course we heard comments oh my god you're so much better you right. yeah you're so much better than you're such a great show and we had a story to boot to go with it so it was very cool so you did a show met him and then went and did another show all in the same night yeah we we, we loved it we knew that we, we figured that we were actually going to get on stage with George Clinton and then uh, go back to our, you know, that. But it, it really didn't even matter. They all showed up to it. It was just a bar. We we do all our own booking, really. So we knew which bar to hit. And uh, that was the one. And uh, it, it, was, it was packed. It was really packed. But, uh, yeah, it went really well. I want to ask you about upcoming shows because I always do, but there aren't any. So that's stupid. I'm not going to ask that. Well, we have a live, we have a live, we're going to start live streaming. We've got a live stream coming up. 
And uh, yeah, anybody who wants to listen to it, just uh, check on to the Facebook page. Uh, we're using the JJ Rowdy Shade House, right? Mm-hmm. JJ Rowdy Shade House. Uh, like it, of course. Uh, become a fan, stay connected, drop a line or whatever. It's always cool. We like to respond to the fans. And uh, what's it called? We do have a live stream coming up pretty quick, which will be full immersive. It'll be the real nice. deal. It'll be real deal. Practice up. It'll sound. It's gonna have a new. Uh, it's gonna have a new flavor to it. It should sound a little bit heavier, a little bit more syncopated. Should be really driving. Something you would really want to listen to with headphones. You know, just because of the way that it, it all kind of goes together. And then you know, your eyes will be attracted by what's happening. We're gonna be lining that up. So of course, uh, the Facebook page. Become a friend. Give us a like or whatever, and you can see it. Um, do you have any other ways for people to get a hold of you? Do you have like YouTube, email? We, we do have a lot of YouTubes, but uh, we, we, you know, we've done a lot of that. But uh, so far, I'd say uh, contact us on the Facebook page is the best way to go. And um, just keep your eyes up. Always Google search. You'll always find out what we're up to. Yeah. And to all the musicians out there, go on uh, Reverb Nation. You can always add on that. You know, do a Reverb Nation, drop a line on that. Or do Band Mix. I'm always on that. That's another part, way to get in touch. You know, we're always doing stuff, so you can always, you know, contact yeah, us through those. Things. You uh, also could uh, link up with our OnlyFans and our uh, patron, too. And the last track of the show is Bad Man. Love you guys.
guys, that was Chase and John of Rowdy Shade House. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoyed the music. Please make sure you check these guys out on Facebook. Get in touch with them. You like them, follow them, subscribe. If you want to reach out, if you feel like uh, you'd like to be part of what they do, or you're a musician who's looking for somebody to play with in the Denver area, you can reach out to them via Facebook or Bandmix. And thank you so much for listening. I do want to let you all know that there won't be an episode next Monday as as uh, there usually is. And I do apologize. It is my uh, last week at my current job. And I've got so many great interviews coming for you. I've already got February and part of March booked up. This is going to be fantastic. Hang in there. Thank you for listening. Be kind. Make some fucking noise. Thank you.